Welcome to the Unconventional Ministry Podcast, where the conversation is about fresh ministry ideas and innovative approaches. I'm Dennis Weens, your host, Senior Impact Catalyst at Sat7 USA. I'm excited about my podcast guest today. I had never heard about this sports philanthropy network that she represents, and Kayla has been busy this last week with the NFL draft, and I'm excited that she can come on and talk about her faith in the marketplace of life. So, Kayla Bradham, welcome to the Unconventional Ministry Podcast. I'm happy to be here. You know, it's uh, we watch sports on TV. We know a lot of the people you're talking to, but we don't see them or hear about them once their pro career is over. And in the NFL, the average career is only 3.3 years. So tell us a little bit about the Sports Philanthropy Network that you're executive director of. Well, thank you so much. Um, So the Sports Philanthropy Network really focuses on building strong, healthy, inclusive communities. The way I say it, Dennis, I've dedicated my life to creating hope and possibility through sports. That's really become my ministry. And so you're one of the founders of it. You're not the executive director. You're the executive vice president. How did this all start? Um, It's an interesting story, and it's probably way too long for this podcast, but I'll say this. I grew up in poverty. We were so poor that we didn't have a car. Sometimes we didn't have a phone. Sometimes we didn't have a TV I got the permission slip for band and softball, bought it home excited. And my mom said, money doesn't grow on trees. And for the first time in my life as a little girl, I knew what hopelessness felt like. And Dennis, somebody paid my registration fees for me to play softball. I wasn't that good at third base or left field, but I learned about teamwork. I learned about being coachable. I knew what it was like to be part of a team. And and honestly, you got snacks, right? right? So about five years ago, I was at a Tony Robbins event at the United Center in Chicago. And for any of your listeners who uh, follow Tony Robbins, he has a great way of taking you back to that point in your life where you felt hopeless. That was my story. And then he has a way of taking you back to projecting into the future what that might look like. And Dennis, I remember being a little girl out on third base on an August afternoon with a old Rawlings glove that I had gotten at a garage sale for like a nickel or a dime or something like that. And I felt so blessed. And I said, as as this little tiny girl, I said, God, if you're real, when I grow up, can you help me do this for other people someday? And Dennis, I am, I'm there at Tony Robbins and that's what comes flooding back to me. And I'm like, God wants me to do this. This is what I was destined for. So I talked to my kids. I left my glass ceiling job in corporate America, managing 25,000 member fitness centers. And I met my partner, Roy, at that Tony Robbins event. And he says, you know what? I have this idea. I've been wanting to do it for a long time. I'd like to start a nonprofit that really uses sports to create impact in communities. And my mouth dropped. And it was like that confirmation from God, like, do it. I'm opening the doors for you to do what you prayed for. He opened an amazing door and given you such a platform. I know one post on LinkedIn, you're interviewing uh, one of the players we see on TV on Sunday afternoon playing sports, uh, professional football, and another post you're worshiping in your church. Uh, You live your faith in the marketplace. How do you, you know, you're trying to build hope into these athletes you come alongside, how do you 
do this, just give our podcast listeners a little idea of what you create, how you create the hope. So, so I'm so blessed. I can't take any of the credit for that. I'm not building the hope in the athletes. I'm partnering with athletes who have that same goal, that same vision, that same desire. And I'm working with them to create hope and possibility for the people who need it most. It's not me. There are so many amazing people who just happen to be athletes who are really passionate about serving God and loving people. And they just need that opportunity to share their story, to lean in and just to give back. So I'm really telling the story of what people are already doing. I'm not league specific. I work with a lot of athletes in a lot of leagues who just are sharing their message. And I'm not kidding. I have the best job in the world. (laughs) Yeah, I've listened to some of your podcasts. We'll talk about that in a little bit as well. What are some uh, of the challenges, you know, after the player's career in the NFL at 3.3-year average, mm-hmm. uh, what are some of the challenges coming out of that for an athlete that wants to really use their faith and make a difference in their community? Uh, you work with so many of them. Uh, just give our podcast listeners an idea of some of the challenges they face in doing that which they really tend to do. I, I think the biggest challenge, and there are a few, but I think the biggest challenge is when you're coming out of that pro level. Since you were a little kid, you were told that your identity is an is as an athlete. And so when they retire, whether they're men or women, whether they're in the NFL, Major League Soccer, Hockey, Baseball, you name it, all they know is that they're an athlete. And with such a short career, you said at 3.3 average in the NFL, most of these players need to go and get another job or they want to go and get another job. And they don't know really what they're good at or what they're interested in. Um, That's hard. That's hard. Another issue that I see a lot is, um, frankly, putting it out there, drugs, alcohol, sex, these are real problems for professional athletes. You know, addiction is honestly a big issue. And I don't think anybody says, you know, when I grow up, I want to be an addict. And trying to get clean a lot of, and I'm not talking cocaine, heroin, I'm talking about painkillers, right? These guys are are playing injured, a lot of them. And so kind of going through that process of breaking free from addiction and mending some of the hurts and relationships that have gone awry in that process is a big deal. We don't talk about that. But if you talk to the athletes, a lot of them will share their struggles with painkillers in particular. Yeah, that's probably something that we don't normally think of. Um, and then, of course, in three years, they become multimillionaires. And then the whole dynamic of stewarding well these amazing resources, this amazing platform, how do you steward that with uh, you know, your faith and in a very biblical way? to make a difference in your communities. Yeah. And, you know, I I can't tell you how many professional athletes I know, and and I'm going to preface this. People are just people. We tend to glorify certain groups of people, Amish people, professional athletes. There's a whole group of people that we tend to glamorize and idolize. People are just people, right? And you only know what you know. So I know plenty of former professional athletes who are living in three-bedroom ranch homes driving Acuras. Um, 
a lot of athletes never got financial literacy training. They weren't told that you have to pay your credit card bill every month, even during the football season when you're busy and you don't have time to pay your bills. The credit card companies don't care that, you know, you have a a $25,000 credit card bill and you forgot to pay it this month. So there's things that athletes just don't know because people are people. Right. So you come alongside, uh, what are some examples uh, that you've come alongside, you partnered with these athletes, you've seen them really invest in their communities? Uh, what are some of the examples like that? I'll tell you my favorite one because it's going on right now. Uh, there was a third grade teacher who reached out to us this year and she said, listen, I know you guys work with a lot of athletes we're really struggling as teachers with these younger kids. You know, they kind of grew up in kindergarten, first grade and COVID. They really don't understand what good classroom behavior looks like, what teamwork looks like, what sportsmanship looks like. COVID hurt a lot of kids. Right. And this teacher asked us if, if we could possibly ask some of the athletes we work with to talk about sportsmanship. And it's been so beautiful um, from NFL coaches to players. Um, it, it's been amazing to see people lean in and talk about sportsmanship, but it's been even better to see kids' reactions to these messages. So I'll give you an example, Ron Rivera. And, and we, Ron and I just talked about this at the NFL owners meetings. He recorded uh, a little message for us. And one of the students saw it and said, well, my last name is Rivera. We might be related. And he told his teacher for the rest of the year, he was going to be a good sport. Now, he didn't say forever, but he said for the rest of the year. And what it reminds me, Dennis, is that representation matters. This young student with the last name of Rivera saw somebody in the NFL with his last name who looked like him and it inspired him to be a good sport. That That's what this is all about. And it made a real difference. So thank you. For our podcast listeners, if they wanted to check out your sports philanthropy network, uh, what are some ways that uh, they could get involved in what you're doing? The easiest way is to become an ambassador. Um, we will hook you up with one of our local chapters. We're building out 30 local chapters across the United States by the end of next year. And Dennis, here's why. I live in Milwaukee. In Milwaukee, 25% of Black men are currently incarcerated. 24.1% of people hold college degrees. We have one of the highest segregation redlining cities in the United States. The problems that we have in Milwaukee are probably different than the problems that you have in your community or the problems that your listeners have in their communities. So we're building out local chapters across the United States. We're calling it the pipeline of philanthropy, really building out a pipeline of sports philanthropy across communities all across the United States to build strong, healthy, inclusive communities through sports. Be an ambassador is number one. Number two, join us on our leadership councils as we build out these local chapters. We need leaders. And the other one would be task forces. So for our experts in mental health, for our experts in faith, for our experts in um, coordinating celebrity golf tournaments, there's a place for you. Whatever your skills are, God gave you those skills. Let's put them to good use and create hope and possibility for the people who need it most. 
Amen. And give your website so people can get on your website and start checking out these different possibilities. Sportsphilanthropynetwork.org. Sportsphilanthropynetwork.org. And you also host a podcast called the Legacy After the Locker Room Podcast. And I've listened to a few of those. They're very, they're very interesting. I know you had uh, somebody on from Afghanistan recently, and uh, you do you have a lot of different guests. Uh, talk to us a little bit about that uh, podcast. So did I tell you I have the best job in the world? Janice, <laughs> I get to work with professional athletes from all different leagues and share the stories about how they're making a difference, how they're creating a legacy after they hang up their cleats. So whether it's Marsha Frederick, who represented the gymnasts in the USA gymnastics trial, whether it's Gilbert Brown, who supports uh, the last time I talked to him, 49 different children's charities, whether it's um, I I don't know, I could go on and on. There's hundreds of them, but they all have these amazing stories. And, And frankly, the work that they're doing after retirement is way more important than the work they did as a player. Like these are great players, but they're even more amazing people who just, you hear their stories and it's like, wow, I'm really, really grateful for you. And I'll give you one example. Um, Jelly Roll Dalton, Lionel Dalton, got got that nickname in high school for the Jelly Rolls across the back of his neck. Uh, He was a big dude and he took a lot of hits in the NFL and he was dying of kidney failure. I mean, dying. And because he was in the NFL, him and his wife were able to be on multiple donor recipient lists instead of just the one that you get on. And when a donor donor became available, him and his wife were able to hop on a plane, go to the East Coast, have the surgery, stay at a hotel and take care of all of their finances because money wasn't an issue because Jelly Roll played in the NFL. But him and his wife realized that for a lot of people, that's not the case. And Jelly Roll's donor came from one of the lists that they paid for. And so Mr. Dalton and and his beautiful wife started a foundation to help people get on multiple donor lists, to help them pay for those emergency med flights out for their hotels, some of those extra expenses. You're never going to hear that. You're you're not going to hear the stories of, of how much money they're giving to make sure that people who need new organs can afford to get them. He's saving so many lives and we don't even talk about it. And he's humble. He doesn't want the credit, but mm-hmm. how do you not share that story? That's, that, I mean, he's, he's giving life and we don't talk about it. Well, thanks for sharing that. And that's just uh, representative of so many stories, as you say. Yeah. And I thank you for what you do and uh, live your faith in the marketplace and help uh, connect with so many of these athletes and help them create a legacy that is helping so many people. So thank you for coming on the Unconventional Ministry Podcast to share this and give your website again, and I'll put the website in the notes as well for this podcast. Absolutely. It's sportsphilanthropynetwork.org, and you can find me on LinkedIn or most of your social media platforms at Kayla J. Bradham. And uh, don't forget to check out her podcast, Legacy After the Locker Room, and it's on all the podcast uh, platforms as well. So again, Kayla, thank you for joining us. Dennis, thank you for bringing me onto your show. I just want to tell you, I really appreciate the work that you're doing to create hope, to create possibility through your podcast and through your work. It's important. I appreciate your ministry. 
In our changing world, there are more ways than ever to do ministry. SAT7, as a broadcast media ministry, is changing how ministry is done. Through innovative approaches, collaborative efforts, broadcast satellite television, web streaming, and social media, SAT7 is making a difference. Visit SAT7 online today at sat7usa.org to learn ways you can be a part of this kingdom work. If you've enjoyed this conversation, please share it with your friends. If you know of an unconventional ministry approach, please introduce us. We'd like to have them on as guests. Thank you again for joining this episode of the Unconventional Ministry Podcast. Thank you.